Hey everyone, welcome back to Pretending with Dice. As always, I'm your host and game master, AJ. Uh, welcome to the first episode of our as yet unnamed uh, Call of Cthulhu storyline. Uh, we'll introduce the players and their characters in just a moment. Uh, but before that, I just want to say that it's been a, a lot of fun playing this game so far. Uh, this is very much my first foray into the uh, Call of Cthulhu RPG system, uh, although I've been a long-time fan of the, uh, the original stories by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, as such, I hope any veteran players of the game will forgive us for any kind of rule slip-ups and such that we might make along the way. Um, as with all of our podcast stories, we tended to lean more into the sort of story and role-playing side of things rather than getting too rules-heavy. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you'll come along with us for the whole storyline. Uh, before we jump in, I also want to once again announce, sort of slash remind folks, that starting next week we'll be going from a bi-weekly schedule to a weekly one. Uh, our main story episodes are still going to be every two weeks, but on the in-between weeks uh, we're going to be running bonus episodes, uh, which are going to be interviews, one-shots, uh, world-building, uh, really whatever we feel like doing that week. Uh, I'm super excited for you all to hear those. Uh, our first one next week is going to be an interview with Lexa of the Dead Horse RPG podcast, uh, with whom I was a cast member on the Curse of Penance series uh, over on the Penance RPG podcast. Uh, it should be lots of fun, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Alright then, so uh, without any further ado, let's begin today's episode. Enjoy. Okay, so hey everybody, we are playing something a bit different today. Um, we are playing Call of Cthulhu, 7th edition. We're playing with a, a bit of a, a mishmash of different players from different things you've heard before for, for this. Um, so why don't each of you uh, introduce yourselves and where people may have heard you before. Uh, let's start with Amy. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm usually, you'll hear me on Penance or the Curse of Penance cast. I, I played Meg and Frankie in the new Plummet season that we're doing. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. People may have heard you briefly on our Star Wars story as well. Yes, yeah. I had a sneaky little... Uh, you might have remembered me from, as Varla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of our... As a group, that was the funniest scenes that whole last <laughs> It was I think so, so much yeah. fun. That, that yeah. was funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. Uh, Eden, where have people heard you from? Well, hello, I'm Eden, and you've probably heard me being a complete and utter prance on this podcast <laughs> at some point. Um, I also did the Shadowrun thing that you hopefully listened to. So yeah, yeah, you've heard me talk a lot on this podcast at this point. Yeah, basically you're in 90% of the episodes of this podcast. Pretty much. Well, we're, get, we're getting up there here. with the percentages, yeah. <laughs> cool, and finally, Mark. Yes, hello, I'm Mark. Um, I have been on the podcast previously as one of the main characters in the recent Star Wars story, Tempest Squadron giving a really bad American accent, for which I apologise to any Yanks who are listening. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I apologise to any Yanks. That's what hell of a way to do it. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. But yeah, good to be back doing something different. All right then, so we've met our players. Let's begin our story. The year is 1932. For the past several hours, the three of you have been travelling on a train, winding its way across the rainy rolling hills and fields of the British countryside. Your destination is the small seaside town of Twynham-on-Sea. Barely larger than a village, it isn't notable for much, but has recently gained notoriety as the home of a young, up-and-coming physician purporting to have miracle cures for all manner of ailments and maladies. You each have your own reasons for visiting Twynham-on-Sea, and as the locomotive makes its slow progress and the day wears on, the carriage empties, leaving you three as the sole remaining passengers. Strangers to one another, as the guard makes his way through the carriage lighting lamps, 
you each look up and notice the other two, perhaps for the first time. Hmm. I see the train's emptied rather quickly. Just us left, it seems. My character kind of turns away from uh, anybody trying to talk to him at this moment and puts his head down, sort of lowering his chin into his scarf. Uh, Madame Sway leans forward and just goes, Indeed! It seems that this small town is a simple gem, only available to a small handful of you. So it would seem. So, see, two of the three are happy to talk to each other, one not so much. Why don't each of you describe um, your character, how they would outwardly appear to the others? Okay, my character's name is Bonard Hardcastle. Uh, he's a survivor of the Great War, and uh, right now he's sat in a large trench coat, uh, sporting a red scarf. As I say, he's pulled that up over his face. What little you can see of his face, there, there's the edge of a scar escaping from the bottom, uh, the top of that scarf. Um, he's got shifty eyes. He's uh, looking a little bit worse for wear, like he's tired, like he sleeps very poorly. And uh, yeah, he, he has the look about him of a man that's experienced some hard times in life. He's approaching his 40s. He's certainly quite weather-worn, uh, yeah, rough-looking, shall we say. Madame Sway, uh, she's a young woman of 28. She's quite attractive, certainly well-dressed, but her clothes are very simple and um, show wear of, like, the not the travelling sort, but the um, entertainment industry. Her shoes are really nice, but they're worn. On her finger as well, as she's, like, wrapped her jacket around her, it's obvious that uh, a wedding ring is missing, or a at least a, a, an engagement ring is missing. She's quite heartbroken at the moment. Um, as a, an actress, she's moved on from her previous uh, acquaintance and is trying to get some healing air. Uh, my character's name is Alistair Fentworth. Uh, early 40s. Uh, he's an archaeologist by profession. Uh, he lived through the Great War, um, but the age he was at, he managed to uh, avoid being called up. Um, he's very, he's a very tall, sort of stocky gentleman, um, wearing kind of a corduroy suit, uh, but a very strange uh, choice of footwear. He's got hiking boots on, so part of his reason for travelling, well, the main reason for travelling down is to see an ailing friend, but he's got his hiking boots in case he gets a chance to go out and do some digging around, see if he can uncover anything from the past. A very curious man. So, the three of you sit again in silence for a time, as the train navigates its way around a series of small hills. Outside the carriage windows you can see that the sun is beginning to set, hence the guard lighting the lamps. Finally, as the train breaks out of a hill cutting and begins its procession along a large embankment, you can see, laid out before you, across a series of ever-darkening farmer's fields, the lights of a small town. Your destination, Twynham-on-Sea. As the lights come closer, over the course of several minutes, eventually, from the next carriage, you can hear the shout of the conductor. Twynham-on-Sea! All changed, Twynham-on-Sea! The momentum of the train begins to lessen, and it soon comes to a stop at a small, dimly lit station. A few seconds pass, and the conductor makes his way along the outside of the train, opening doors, and disembarking, the three of you find yourselves on the station platform. Oh, glad to be off of that train. I'll stretch my legs. Chance to be a fine thing. Ooh. Yes, it's been a long journey. Yes, it has. Where have you journeyed from? Oh, air. Up in Scotland. It's a far journey for a recommendation, but I'll do what's good for my health. Indeed. Indeed. So looking around, you can see the um, a sort of sickly green light coming from a series of oil, lamp, oil lamps around. And uh, stepping off of the platform, um, there's, a, there's a couple of bored-looking taxi men out front with some kind of battered looking uh, looking cars 
They seem to be having a quiet chat, uh, one laughing at a joke told by the other before they notice the three of you. Uh, as you approach, one pipes up. Uh, Anyone need a cab? Transport? Anywhere in town? Uh, Barnard raises his hand <clears throat> and uh, strides over to the gentleman quite rapidly away from the other two and nods towards them. Oh, uh, evening, sir. Uh, where can I take you? I'm, I'm looking for lodgings. Well, uh, they got a couple of different places uh, in town. Uh, depends on your your budget, shall we say? Uh, is uh, is the King's Arms Hotel? Uh, is uh, if you if you don't mind going a bit further afield, there's the Harbour Hotel. Uh, of course, if you if you're a bit hard up, there's always uh, Kendall's Boarding House. Um, I'm a man of simple means and requirements. Um, I, I would suspect a boarding house will have everything I need. Uh, right you are, right you are. Uh, step this way. He opens the uh, the cab door for you. Before stepping into the cab door, Barnard turns towards the other two and gives them a hard stare to see what they're doing. What an extraordinary fellow. Are you offering us a lift? I, I'm heading to some lodgings. I, I suspect it may save us some cash were you to join me. I'm not sure that uh, the particular choice of lodgings might fit your standards as a uh, as a woman of certain standing, but by all means, join me. Well, I suppose save a penny, save a pound. Oh, my, my price is very reasonable, miss. The taxi driver interjects. <laughs> no, no, I'm meaning more the lodgings, darling. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if a boarding house should be fine, uh, I would have thought so. <laughs> You can tell he's sort of he's, he's a little bit embarrassed about the, the slight misunderstanding, but um, <laughs> yeah. Sway's so gonna grab her bag and make her way to the. Are you going to come? With, are you going to join us, or are you moving on elsewhere? Uh, if there's room in the taxi, I'll happily join you. Thank you very much. Okay. The uh, the taxi driver steps forward to give you a hand with your bag if you if you would accept the help. Yes, thank you. Uh, right, you are, miss. Takes a bag and, and sort of puts it on the uh, in, in the back. Once the three of you have uh, situated yourselves inside the car, the driver eagerly makes his way to the front and begins cranking the engine. Uh, he initially seems to be having some difficulty, but uh, eventually the car comes to life uh, with a bit of a splutter. Uh, the driver takes his place behind the wheel and the taxi trundles away from the station. You you get a, your first sort of good look at the um, the town itself as you as you sort of make your way. Uh, along the road. It's fairly sparsely lit, but you get a good look at um, some of the buildings. Near to the station there's a, there's a collection of sort of run-down looking sort of industrial kind of uh, sheds and, and things like that. Um, but the further into uh, into the town itself uh, you get the, the sort of the houses and things themselves look to be a little bit older sort of brick frontages and everything. Um, you're not gone very far from the station before the the, the taxi driver turns into a, a side road and um, pulls up in front of a quite sort of nondescript looking building with a, a hand-painted sign in front that says uh, Kendall's Rooms and Board and in slightly smaller letters reasonable rates, respectable clientele only, please. The taxi driver jumps out and opens the door for you with the uh, Holding his hand out for for payment. Right here, here we are. Uh, all for the all for here, was it? Yes, this was my destination. Right. Uh, okay. Thank you, sir. Um, uh, that'd be that'd be a shilling total uh, for the trip. No, must be weekend rates. There you go, old chap. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, sir. He he quickly quickly pockets it and uh, gives you a nod. And I take it all of you are getting out then at the uh, board. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Taxi trundles off. Um, you get a good look at the boarding house frontage itself. It's again, it's it seems to be well maintained. The the step looks well um, well swept, <laughs> um, but like most of the town, it's kind of lit at the moment by this sort of like slightly sickly green oil lamps that are the that are lining the streets. It's hardly changed a bit, well, apart from the new signage. You've been here before. As a child, yes. Uh, that's actually the reason I'm here to see an old family friend. Oh, he's not sick. I hope. Unfortunately, yes. But, oh. uh, thankfully, he's not hospital-bound, but they don't think he's long for this world. Oh, but my condolences. Seems we share similar motives in visiting. I oh. also have a friend who suffers. I'm very sorry to hear that, old Bean. 
Yes, well, let us get out of this cold and dark. My character is carrying a rather unique cane with a unique hand grip. Uh, he can slide his finger some, fingers through some holes, almost like a brass knuckle, to uh, grip the cane, and he taps it on the ground twice and uh, nods his head towards the door of the, uh, the lodgings and sort of strides towards them. I say again, extraordinary fellow. He's certainly very direct. Hmm, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> then after you, my dear. Thank you. As you as you open the front door, uh, a little bell tinkles as it um as it does as the it's obviously hooked up to the the door. Um, behind a, a front desk of sorts is a rather old looking um, lady. She's about five foot two, quite friendly faced. Looks up a little surprised to see people walking in at this hour. So, oh oh good 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 evening all. Uh, uh, is it rooms you're after? <laughs> Uh, good evening, madam. I, I seek lodging this evening. Uh, I'll be looking to stay for around a week, I should expect. I, I have business in town. Business? Okay, well, uh, your, your business is your own, sir. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I've got it. I could put you in room room four, I think, just upstairs. Uh, a week, was it, you said? Could, could, I, could I take a name? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, the surname is Hardcastle. She's, uh, she scribbles it down in a pretty big legging, ledger book. Um... You get a sort of cursory glance at the ledger at some of the dates. Doesn't look like she's had a huge amount of business in the last few weeks, really. But I mean, that that could be anything. She scribbles for a, for a couple of seconds and then um, sort of takes a key off of a, a small rack behind the the desk. Says, uh, "Oh well, if the, if if you two are okay waiting for a second, I'll just show Mister Hardcastle to his room." Of course, certainly. Okay, um, who should we go with first? Should we... Yeah, okay, I'll, we'll, we'll stick with uh, we'll stick with Barnard. Um, so she leads you up a sort of creaking set of stairs to, to a second floor. It's sort of a long corridor lined with, um, lined with a series of rooms. It's not particularly uh, well-appointed, really. Sort of, it's quite sort of basic looking, but it's, it's nice. It's, it's tidy, and that, uh, the, uh, the walls have been painted white. Um, each of the doors has a little brass uh, knocker on it, much like a front door, um, and also a kind of brass uh, brass plate with a number on it. Um, she leads you along the corridor, short ways, to a, uh, a door with a four on it, unlocks it with the key and uh, bustles inside uh, ahead of you to light a small candle next to the bed. And uh, she looks around and um, just you get the feeling she's a little bit sort of... Um, not really a neat freak, but very much wants things to be well uh, in everything in their place, kind of thing. She smooths out the already very smooth uh, covers on the bed. Oh, th- this is it then, Mister Hardcastle. Um, it'll be five shillings for the week, uh, payable upon uh, upon leaving. Yes, this will do fine. Um, you can rely on me for the money. There'll be no doubt about that. And uh, well, there's really no need to fuss. I'm a man of simple needs. And he kind of uh, pushes past her towards the bed to kind of move her away from it. Oh, okay, very, very well. Um, uh, breakfast is served uh, at six thirty. Is there any uh, further libation, perhaps a little food this evening? Uh, well, I suppose I could, uh, I could open the kitchen up again. Um, there's, uh, there's always the uh, the inns in town, horrible places, but um, suppose I can make you a sandwich. Tell me about the inns, uh, my my dear. I'm. I am in need of a drink. Ah, uh, well, um, there's the ship that's been there the longest, uh, right along the high street there. If you like something a bit rowdier, there's always the Thomas Trip. Uh, I don't, uh, don't frequent such, uh, places myself. Alcohol is the devil's work. Well, some of us have, uh, come face to face with the devil. I know his work well enough, and, uh, I will sup some more. She, uh, she looks a little bit taken aback at this. Um, a little bit sort of like, well, she's not used to... The men talking in such, uh, such satanic ways, yeah. <laughs> such tones. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, le- I'll leave you to it then, Mister Hardcastle. Um, yes. Have a good evening. Yes. And t- she um, she leaves and closes the door behind her. As soon as she's out of the room, um, Bonard's going to unpack his bags, which have been meticulously organised. Um, at the bottom is an item that I'm not going to describe to the other two right now, but he's taking great care to make sure that it's. Uh, concealed beneath all the rest of his gear. I think, AJ, you should hopefully 
gather what I'm leaning towards here. I do, yes. And uh, yes, the, the rest of the gear, his, his clothes and whatnot, he's going to unpack and sort of assemble the room so that he can come comfortably the, the next week. Okay. Um, so the two of you, if there's nothing else you wanted to... Is that... Um, for now, that, that, that'll, that'll be good to leave me there. Okay. So um, the two of you uh, watch as... Uh, you, who you assume she didn't really introduce herself, um, but you assume uh, Mrs. Kendall has um, uh, taken uh, Mr. Hardcastle upstairs. You, you two are left in the foyer for only a couple of minutes before she um, she bustles back downstairs. Uh, right, uh, who was next? Again, ladies first. <laughs> You're such a gentleman. Uh, yes, I would like a room, please. Uh, well, what was the name? Uh, uh, name, my dear. It is Madame Sway. I am. Um here for around a week I may be longer it is un- uncertain for the moment um, but at least a week at least a week, okay, alright well we can we can keep that uh, keep that open ended I suppose um, uh, I will, I'll put you in room 7 a little bit uh, a little bit further along um, if you follow me please, you'll you wait here sir, just a second of course uh, again she she um, leads you up up the stairs a little bit further along you, you kind of clock where room 4 is as you pass but you are, you're a bit further along the corridor um, she opens the door to a uh, not you, you don't find it that cramped but it's not a it's not a big room really um, and uh, it's, the curtains are drawn there's a, there's a single bed there that's sort of it's all quite well appointed and tidy away and that and you sort of um Pulls her sort of shawl around her a little bit. She says, oh, there's a little bit of a, a draft in this one, but it always get uh, drafty this time of year. Is there washing facilities in the room, or are they uh, no, looking around, you you don't see any in the room. Um, the uh, the the bathroom is at the end of the hall. Of course, there you'll find washing facilities and the well, the the commode in there. Was there anything else she required, uh, Miss uh, Sway? Was it? Yes, Madame Sway. Madame. No, I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you. Very well. Uh, well if it's uh, it'll be f- uh, five shillings for the week, but uh, as you say, you may maybe longer, so we will uh, figure that out as we go. Um, oh, oh, one more thing. Is there a particularly lively bar where a piano is played at all, or a even has music and s- sing songs? Songs. Well, I I don't frequent such ghastly. Uh, locations myself there's um if it's songs you're after there's always the theater the yes, regency I did hear about that I did hear about that when does it open uh, I'm, I'm sure I don't know but um uh, but as, as far as bars go there's a there's a couple in town there's the ship and the Tom's trip but, uh, no matter I will find out tomorrow thank you for your time uh, very well and she she gives you a, a nod and uh, hands the key over to you uh, and making our way back downstairs uh, uh, is there anything you would like to do in the room before uh, we go back to uh, to Mark I sh- Sway, Madame Sway is just going to slowly unpack her things for the week and take out her book and start reading Okay. for a little while, for a little moment anyway alright um, so finally we have Alistair, so you, you've been left alone in this, this entranceway Looking around, you you know you've been here a little while in waiting now. Um, it's it's fairly plain, but you you it's pretty much as you remember it from when you were a child. Really, uh, it doesn't seem to have changed much, including the um, the proprietor. It's now that you now that you've seen her for a little bit, she eventually comes back downstairs and says, "Right, okay, uh, sorry for the wait, sir. What was the? Is it a week as well for yourself?" However, did you know? <laughs> yes, I'll be staying a week. Good, good. Okay, uh, well, I'll put you in room two. Ah, room two. I know it well. Oh, you, you've stayed with us before, have you? Many years ago, as a child, I used to come down here with my family. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good memory you have there, then, sir. Uh, well, you'll know where we're going, but uh, follow me, if you will. Certainly. Lead you upstairs. Opens the room. It's it's uh, out of character. It's much like the, the other two. Um, but you would remember it, too. Not particularly, uh, not particularly expansive or anything like that and pretty well um well appointed um again she goes through the whole sort of oh it's, it'll be uh, five uh, shillings for the week uh, payable as you leave um and uh, yes if there's, a, if there's anything else i can help you with please don't hesitate to let me know sir that's wonderful thank you very much 
Yeah, she leaves and... So she's left the room. Mm-hmm. Um, Alistair sets down uh, the bag he was carrying with him and um, goes to remove his coat. But before he takes it off, he pulls a small um, foldable, folding photo frame out from an inner, co- inner pocket on his coat and he opens it up and sets it down on the bedside table. And there's a picture of a, a young teenage-looking lady, black and white. Okay. He sets it down fondly and then goes about uh, unpacking his uh, belongings. All right. Okay, so the three of you are now... You're situated, you've got your lodgings. Uh, was there anything you would like to do in this evening? Yes, I, I thought I would like to get up, um, put his jacket back on, grab his cane, and... Uh, walk down the corridor out towards the front entrance again, back, back downstairs to have a quick chat with the lady at the desk. Okay. Uh, as you get downstairs, uh, she's not actually at the desk, um, but you can hear her kind of rummaging around in a back room, um, which you would guess was maybe the uh, the kitchen from um, sort of the, the noise of pots and pans that you hear. There is a small bell on the desk if you wanted to ring that. but Okay. Rather than ringing the bell, um, Barnard is going to tap his cane twice on the ground quite loudly and uh, give a little <clears throat> there's a pause of a, a couple of seconds um, and then her head just sort of sticks out around the corner oh, oh I'm sorry sir I didn't I, I did wonder what that noise was can I help you? Um, yes uh, I would uh, like directions to those bars that you were telling me about ah yes uh, they're the pubs well if you if you leave here uh, take a right I'm presuming uh, I think I thought I heard Charlie's taxi dropping you off, so presuming you came from the the, the station. Um, if you head back the way you came, back onto the the main uh, the main road there, um, and take a left, you'll you'll soon find yourself for in the main high street. You'll be able to see the well, you'll be able to see the Abbey from there. The ship is along there on the left, and a little further down, if you take a right hand turn, you you'll eventually get to the trip. I see. Um, well, I will thank you for your assistance and uh, leave you to your work. Uh, have a good night, sir. Please be sure to be quiet when you return. Our other residents may be, uh, may be sleeping. Certainly, I'm a man of discretion. With, with that, he turns and strides out the door. Okay. Um, let's fo- let's follow you for a bit before we come back to the others. Um, okay. So yeah, you find yourself back outside. It, it's fully dark now, um, other than the street lights, uh, which are sort of burning away. Um, you, you you easily find your way back to the the main the main street, and uh, yeah, looking left you can just about see the abbey in the distance of this large church, um, and to the right is the towards the station from where you where you came from earlier. Okay, I'll, I'll head to the closer of the two bars. Okay, it's uh, it's about it's not it's not too far from where you are. This isn't a big town really, maybe three. Two three minutes walk, uh, and you find yourself uh, you find yourself coming up on it. You can you can see it up ahead. There's a sort of black painted frontage of this um, bar. It looked not particularly high ceilinged, um, sort of lower floor, and a sign, a uh, painted sign sticking out from the side of the building, which says the ship. Okay, um, just before he walks in through the front door, he kind of. I'm trying to think of how to describe this. You know, there's like you've got a cane in your hand, you've got it held by the handle, and then you pull it up and sort of throw it up into the air and grab it halfway. That's what he does, yes. and then wraps on the door with the handle and pushes it open and steps into the bar. Pushing open the door then with your cane, uh, it's you find it not particularly busy. The uh, the ceiling, as I said, is fairly low. In fact, um, how, how tall would you say uh, Barnard is? Um, he's at least six two, so we'll let's say six two. Six two. Okay. Um, it's yeah. You're you're not having to sort of stoop to get in, um, but if you were wearing a tall hat, you'd have to take the hat off. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, I've got a bowler, so I should be okay. You should be okay with the bowler, but it's pretty. It's it's not particularly tall in here. Let's <laughs> let's put it that way. Okay. There's a couple of men at the bar. Uh, sat there. Uh, sort of seem to be sort of looking into their pints. They don't look like they've looked up at your entrance. There's there's one or two people sat at tables. It's it's a fairly subdued atmosphere in here. A, a man behind the bar is uh, sort of uh, seems to be what washing out a, a mug with a fairly clean looking rag. Looks up as you as you approach. 
uh, as Bonner gets up to the the, uh, the bar itself, he again taps his cane on the ground to uh, pull full attention. Says, "I would require a gin." Uh, gin. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, give me two seconds. You sort of, you can see him sort of trying to decide whether to give it you in a glass or or just another mug. He sort of eventually settles on the glass. There's only about three or four of them behind the bar, and dear. Uh, Pushes it towards you. There you go. Much appreciated, sir. And uh, he picks it up and has a, a small sip of it. Is it any good? Um, I mean, how refined is the <laughs> the palate of Varnard? Um, but well, can can back some strong stuff. Let's say. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't taste how bad it is. Okay. Um, it's it's okay. It's not good stuff. If you know what he I mean. kind of curls the lip a little bit as he, after having that small taste and uh, sort of nods towards the barman as if to say, yes, this will do. Barman sort of, he seems a bit, he's, he's neutral. He's not like, he's, he's not been standing there really waiting for your approval so much. Uh, he, he doesn't get paid enough to care. <laughs> no, not really. Um. <laughs> having done a lot of bar work, I know that feeling very well. <laughs> Same. Oh, I'm going to sup the drink for a moment and, uh, well, pay whatever is required assuming he's going to ask me yeah we'll gloss over that because fuck looking that up <laughs> yeah but I, I, I pay the amount of money required for the gin yeah and uh, I would like to just stand at the bar then and just listen in drinking slowly this gin is, is there any conversation taking place nearby that I can uh, rub a neck that's a good question okay so we'll do our first skill check of the game then so this is a listen check um, which I believe you don't have any skill points in. Nope. So, and <laughs> people who've played Call of Cthulhu are going to have to forgive us a little bit because this is our first time playing, I think all of us, um, and I can't find the relevant bit in the rulebook. So we're just going to take the percentage next to that listen, which is 20% as your un- untrained skill level in that. Normally, you would have to get under the 20% to have a success but I have said it's already kind of quiet in here so I think contextually it's going to be a little easier to make out any you know any noise and things so what I'm going to say for this you need to get below 40 on a D100 skill check okay let me try that I got 73 you yeah your your t- <laughs> so yeah your your tinnitus is playing up a little bit maybe um, but you you can't really make out the the, dis- the particular discussions you can hear the general mumble that there's a couple of people kind of talking under their breath you can't really hear what anybody's actually saying from from your current uh, current vantage okay. point. Okay, so as the whistling grows in uh, Barnard's ears, he kind of groans to himself and uh, sups even more on that gin, finishing it off. And as he does, he kind of looks around to try and see who's talking now that he can't hear anybody. And uh, is there anybody nearby that's very clearly in conversation with anybody else? Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, looking around, I won't make you borrow a skill check for this because it's going to be fairly obvious in a, you know, <laughs> a lit room who's talking to each other and who isn't. The two guys sat, uh, sort of sat at the bar aren't really exchanging much between a couple of sort of occasional sort of like... Well, seem to be sort of short comments back and forth to each other. I wouldn't really call it a conversation. You get the general kind of vibe that these are just two sort of older men who've who've known each other their whole lives are just at the bar together. They you know they haven't got a lot to say, lot to say to each other, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. At one of the tables in the corner, there are um, three men sat, sort of leaning over their pints, kind of whispering a, a little intently. You would say. Okay. Well, what's the kind of look of these gentlemen? Are they uh, workman types, or are they perhaps people that have professions in town? Um, they've they've got the look of, yeah, they've got the look of kind of workmen about them. Um, they're wearing uh, sort of quite um, coarse sort of um, woolen jumpers. A couple of them have got beards, which even you know it's a little out of sorts for this time period for anybody who'd be working in a sort of more uh, forward-facing profession to, <laughs> to have a, okay. a beard such as this. At a push, you could maybe guess that these guys um, 
a sort of they, they kind of look like they could be fishermen okay okay so Barnard having noted these gentlemen is going to turn back to the barman and uh, ask him so, so uh, what's the uh, the general profession of the men who frequent this place seems like uh, I don't know a, a common man's bar and he gives a baleful look to the uh, the barman as he says this uh well uh yeah you get uh, yeah all sorts in really but um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't exactly call us uh you know we're we're not exactly uh getting many visits from uh from the uh the the aristocracy or anything <laughs> yeah i see i see perfectly reasonable seems like my kind of place i'm not really one for the hoi polloi yeah there you find that they all tend to drink at the hotel I see. Well, I'll keep my distance for now then. Uh, another gin, please. And with that, uh, I'm going to sit him down at the bar now. He's going to actually sit and relax and enjoy that gin. Okay. And once he's finished, he's going to head back. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. So, um, Madam Sway or Alistair Fentworth, what do you, have either of you got anything you would like to be doing this evening? Or are you calling it an early night? Uh, Madame Sway thinking that their patron is not going to enjoy her smoking in their rooms. She's going to go outside for a cigarette. Okay. Um, out front or? Yeah, she's going to pull on her over her jacket and uh, her coat, her long coat, and go outside just and walk the the boundary of the hotel while smoking a cigarette. Okay. Yeah. Um, stepping outside, you see uh, again. It's it's a fairly deserted street at this time, but there's one or two people. You see, you know the town doesn't. It doesn't feel like a ghost town, um, but it's very much not a it's not a bustling metropolis. So it's just standing outside, smoking, sort of having a look, bit of a look around. There's a small alleyway to the side of the uh, the boarding house, which um, seems to sort of lead to kind of like a back sort of courtyard area. As you're as you're standing there looking at it, there is um, a pair of youngish boys are walking along the uh, the opposite side of the road, um, sort of in conversation with one another. Um, you'd put them maybe maybe at ten and eight. They've they've got a kind of familial look about them as well. You guess they could be brothers. They're a bit young to be out at night. It's, it's, it's not particularly late. It's it's oh. yeah. We're we're kind of. Um, around about october november time so it's getting dark a little early you know it, it, oh, okay. it's about seven half seven in the evening at the moment yeah i don't know really what else to yeah hmm. okay <laughs> sorry yeah no, 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 it's fine <laughs> just, it's just having a fag yeah <laughs> fair enough it's yeah no long. go for it it's been a long journey yeah in fact for the 1930s it's very uh considerate of you to go outside to do that um, she's, she's a classy lady. <laughs> yes, she's a cla- well, well, she's from Glasgow. I don't see from Glasgow. I don't think she's completely classy. Uh, Alistair is going to put his coat back on mm-hmm. and head into town and head up to the theatre. Okay, uh, with the purpose of collecting tickets for a ticket for the show that his uh, friend is going to be performing in. He'd already called ahead yes. to reserve a ticket. So he thinks evening's quite young, I'll go and collect it now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does he pass me as I'm having my cigarette? Yes, let's say that as Is well. It? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you step outside and you, you can see um, Madam Sway there um, smoking. I see she's having a cigarette and I don't want to disturb. I give her a friendly smile and head nod as I carry on into town. Okay. So uh, leaving Madam Sway and the uh, boarding house behind, you um, sort of tread a similar path to Barnard uh, heading into town and find yourself uh, in front of the Regency Theatre. Uh, looking around, you can actually see the uh, the ship um, tavern across the way. But uh, yeah, the um, there are some lights on. Uh, it doesn't appear that there's a performance on this particular evening, um, but there is someone in the uh, the box office sort of uh, looks up as you approach. Uh, good good evening, sir. Good evening. I've uh, come to collect a ticket that I previously reserved via phone. Uh, very well. Uh, what was the what was the name? Uh, Fentworth, Alistair. Yeah, Fentworth. Ah, oh, yes, uh, one for the Tempest on Saturday night. That would be the one. Yes. Yes. Uh, very well. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll just get that for you. Thank you. Rummages around in a box and uh, pulls out a 
not handwritten, but uh, you know, this isn't <laughs> it's not particularly flashy looking ticket on uh, on sort of um, thick pink card. Hands it over to you. There you go, sir. We look, we look forward to seeing you uh, seeing you in two nights' time. Thank you very much. Um, actually, there is one question before I leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a friend of uh, one of the actors in the play, uh, Abraham Foster. Ah, uh, oh, y- yes, sir. Uh. Um, I'm just wondering. Um, he's an old family friend, you see, and uh, haven't spoken to him much in recent weeks, only to organise coming to visit. But uh, how is he? Oh, well, I'm. I, I'm I don't really know him that well personally. He seems uh, seems okay on the on the stage. I, I've only seen one or two uh, one or two rehearsals. Seems to be getting on quite well. He doesn't look sickly at all. Oh, tough to tell through the makeup for these actors, sir. Quite, quite. Well, not to worry. Um, if he does come by for uh, final rehearsals, uh, could you uh, just tell him that Alistair uh, was called by? And that I'll see him on the performance. Of course, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, so stepping away then, I take yeah, it. I step yeah. away from the box office and uh, look around the, uh, the main street of the town. Again, seeing how it hasn't really changed much. Yeah, it doesn't look to have changed a lot since. I mean, it's been. How old did you say Alistair was? Uh, it's very early 40s, I think 40, early 40s. Or 42. Okay, so it's probably been maybe 30 years since you were here. It hasn't changed a lot. There's a few few differences, you know. The, the turn of the century has happened, and there's, um, you know, been a few. Uh, it, it looks like it was affected a little bit by uh, by the by the events of you know the First World War and yeah. uh, the recent uh, depression and uh, and all that. But um, by and large, there's a lot of it is ringing a lot of bells for you. Mm. Are you going anywhere after the? Uh, you're sort of standing um, on the street, kind of looking around. In fact, actually, looking looking across the way, you can. I mean, the the windows are a little frosted, um, but you can just about see the uh, the figure of um, Barnard in the in the ship. He seems to be uh, sat at the bar. Uh, <clears throat> okay, uh, Alistair notices Barnard mm-hmm. and decides, well, might, might as well go and have a small drink. And um, since the ship is right there, why bother walking around the corner to the trip? So, okay, you're heading across the road then. To, yep, um, and I go into the, the ship. ship. Okay, you, um, okay. how tall is Alistair? Uh, I'm going to say he's the same height as me, about 6'5". Six, 6'5", five. Six, five. okay, you have to stoop to get in here. Hmm. Barnard, you, uh, are you are you fully looking down into your drink or are you... Um... Um, yeah, he's, he's focused on the booze, kind of dwelling on the fact that his tinnitus is kind of reared up and it's it's a reminder of everything he's experienced so he's dwelling in that mm. mindset right now yeah i wouldn't say you're having like a full flashback but you're just sort of you're, you're pensive it, it's the day-to-day experience of being barnard is is being quietly stressed by post-traumatic stress right okay i'll keep that in mind um <laughs> okay so yeah you see uh alistair you see um Barnard's out of the, the bar. He seems pretty engrossed in not not talking to anyone and not looking around him, really. Yeah. So if I go up to the bar, I don't go up directly next to him, maybe mm-hmm. two or three step bases away. Okay. Um, barman uh, comes over. Evening, sir. Evening. Uh, can I have a brandy, please? Brandy. Uh, all right. Uh, returns with your drink and he doesn't appear... He's not engaging you too much with conversation. No, no. That's no. fine. Okay. He's had his spell. So I take the... Yes, I, yeah, from um, Barnard. <laughs> yeah, that's his one conversation for the day. He's had yeah. it. He's, uh... um, okay, so yeah, uh, I take the brandy, I pay mm-hmm. the money for it, and I just sort of sit there and sip. And okay. I make it last. Yeah, yeah. So. Trying to... Uh, you, yeah, you, you know, you don't, uh, you don't down a brandy. No. Who downs a brandy? No. Um, you trying to get uh, Barnard's attention at all, or are you... Um... Uh, are you listen, are you looking around at people? What are you? Um... I'm well. I'm sort of looking up every now and again at Bernard to see if he um, notices me, acknowledges me, and then I'd see that as a cue to speak to him. But I'm not going to push it because okay. he seemed a bit uh, non-talkative when we met on the train. So just leaving him to his business, really. Barnard kind of looks over out of the corner of his eye, having noted the presence of somebody approaching the bar, and uh, you can see his shoulders sort of come up a little bit. Clearly, he's uh, full of tension. 
and he kind of pulls his scarf a bit closer up to his face but as he looks over towards you he catches one of those glances and then gives you a little kind of nod of acknowledgement of yes I know you and then and then has a little drink again safe to say you two are just going to keep to yourselves and then return to the boarding house for the evening after this or is there any particular thing you would like to do uh, well not even just the two of you uh, Madam Sway as well as the just a smoke and a sleep is that the plan for the evening or yeah I think she'll probably want to head out in the morning in the morning to do her her things rather than late at night right okay so the t- uh, Barnard and Alistair then is it just a quiet drink and uh, a stumble back I take it yes yeah I don't know if we stumble back together or separately well that's up to you that's 100% up to you okay so Having finished that second gin, I suppose maybe we're heading towards closing time to justify us all. Maybe we're all there till kick-out time, shall we say? Yeah, which isn't particularly late in 1932, I wouldn't have thought. Kicking out would have been about 10.30 at night, something like that. Well, okay, then let me change my mind on that. Right, Bernard is going to, with a little tap on the ground again with the cane, stand up and uh, kind of look towards Alistair and say... uh, I'm not sure if you're done here, sir, but I'm about to return to our lodgings. Would you care to walk with me? Uh, I look up at him and say, um, "That sounds like quite, that sounds like a good idea." And I down the rest of my brandy. Lead on. Certainly. And uh, Bernard leads out through the door into the night. It's starting to get a little bit misty. Uh, let's just put that put that out there. Okay, uh, again, making sure his scarf is pulled up over his face so we really can't see the lower half. Mm. Kind of uh, turns towards Alistair and begins walking and says, uh, so what brings you to uh, Twynham on Sea? Uh, mostly uh, pleasure, but not uh, not the completely fortunate kind. Eh? An old family friend is appearing in the Tempest in a few days' time, and unfortunately he's uh, not long for this world. He's... Uh, some kind of terminal illness. They think it's some kind of cancer, but uh, ah. he's not bed-bound, but he's still got his faculties. So it's uh, one last hurrah to see him perform. Uh, minor blessing to be able to uh, indulge one's passions before the end. Indeed. He's a very keen thespian. Yes. Yes, well, I, I understand uh, potentially a little of your situation. I'm guys may have mentioned already I'm, I'm here to visit somebody myself and he is unfortunately bedridden I'll be visiting him in the uh, convalescence house tomorrow and yes it's really really not quite as pleasurable a circumstance that I, uh, I visit on and he kind of looks towards the ground as they stride on close friend family maybe is uh, a friend from the war he's uh, the, the only rem- remaining member of my company there were Eight of us total, and yes, he's he's the only one that's known my pain, and we'll we'll spend our time before he's gone reminiscing. I sus- suspect. Did you were you in the Somme together? Yes, yes, we we survivors of a charge, the only two. Yes, bloody massacre, the entire thing. Yes, a, a terrible affair. What what was your experience of it? And he sort of turns to look to you with a steely gaze. I was uh, a bit young to serve in the war, so I kind of got away with it, but I didn't get away from the entire thing unscathed. Um, my first love, Doris, uh, quite sweet on each other, but uh, 1917, she was murdered by uh, a gang in the centre of London. They mistook her for uh, being German because I know the language. Basically, uh, a young German chap had been assaulted and was looking for shelter, and because I knew the language, I gave him help. And this gang saw it and overheard it all. They chased after myself and Doris and um, murdered her in an alleyway behind Regent Street. That's that's awful. Uh, quite frankly, that's... Once again, I'm faced by the darkness of the world. You'd, I, I'd... It seems that none of us are untouched by this kind of thing right now. This is a dark time. Very dark time indeed. You know, I'll tell you something, Barnard. I was not raised particularly religious. I learned religion. But how could there be a loving God? And yet, he? how could he be in existence and allow that 
atrocity to happen. So many mm -hmm. lost for seemingly nothing. Yes, I, I too face doubts about such things. I, I, I cannot fathom the possible judgment of a deity that would br bring this upon us. For what? For a lot of signatures on a dotted line and nothing more, it seems. Uh, the, the more I think of such things, the... Uh, I'm sorry, my friend. Uh, my, my apologies. I, I'm, I'm losing myself in this moment. The thought of the past is, is overtaking me. I, I would prefer that we drop this subject and uh, let us hurry on. Indeed. We'll speak no more of it. And with that, we can uh, pick up the pace and go back. Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, it's, it's not a particularly long walk back to the boarding house from uh, from the pub. So about now, you, you, the two of you are rounding the uh, the corner and you just a short distance away from the um, from the boarding house itself. You can You can see it. So... Passing the rest of the trip in silence, basically you uh, you find your way to your rooms and um, the three of you sleep for the evening. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back next week with our bonus episode interview with Lexa from the Dead Horse RPG podcast. Our next story episode, episode 43, continuing where we left off today, will be available as usual in two weeks' time on Thursday the 31st of January. Uh, in the meantime, you can get in contact with us on Twitter and Facebook, both of which we are at Pretend With Dice. You can also email us at pretendingwithdice at outlook.com. Uh, if you're an iTunes user, it'd be really great if you could leave us a rating and review. Uh, it all helps us to find new listeners, and we'd just really love to hear what you all think of the podcast. Uh, so for now, that's our show. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. <laughs>